You're listening to the most authentic place in sports. It's the Sports Headline Show. Here are your hosts, Sean Davis and Warner Sanker. What's going on, everybody? We are back. Finally, it's been too long together, actually, for the first time since March, late March, I want to say. Sean Davis, Warner Sanker. It's July, so you know what that means. It's time for the NFL preseason power rankings. The first, what's up, Warner? And I am doing great. It's glad to be back. And yeah, it was way, way too long. Uh, Live sort of got in the way, but we are we're back with you, and we are bringing you the number thirty-two team on our list. And uh, I don't think you guys will be surprised for it. But um, a quick few announcements, um, housekeeping things. Be sure to go check us out and check all of the great content creators out on NFL Sapient. Um, and it's, it's a great, great uh, program, great website, a lot of interesting articles on there with some really, really smart people um, putting, putting, writing these articles. So go check that out. Uh, we are now a part of that. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad to be back and um, I'm excited for this new series. We got 32 episodes, 32 teams. 32 them. articles. <laughs> 32 articles, a lot of writing, uh, a lot of writing, but hey, let's get it. All right, guys, I want to give you guys a little trajectory of the series, right? So the goal is to have this series done before the preseason. So you're talking mid-August at the latest. We would love to have the series done. And the reason being, one, obviously, you know, was school will start back, right? Those things get a little more busier. So we want this done for you all. And also, so this is July 2nd. Ideally, every article, so every ranking We'll have an article and podcast version of it. And if we can figure out our YouTube stuff, they'll have a video version at some point, probably towards closer towards the top 20. Um, so the article version will come out a day after the podcast versions for the people who would rather read it than listen to this. Close, probably, I expect this to be closer to an hour, if I'm being honest with you. So if you'd rather read it, then listen to this hour conversation. That's fine, but it'll be a day after the release of each revealing of the rank. Um, so this is number thirty-two. Number thirty-one should be. You should record. It, it, we should have a number coming in the coming days. It'll be. Yeah. It'll be close to every day, every other day. Um, for these, for these. I mean, we got thirty-two teams, and uh, we're trying to we're trying to rep this out for you guys and for us as well. So. Um, yeah. So really quickly, guys, last thing I'll say, this was a very strenuous process, right? Yeah, Especially because it, it took a while. It took it, we didn't start it as early as we hoped. So we were really appreciated, guys. So we, we got to get this out right around the launch of the Sapient Network uh, Podcast Network, right? So we really, we put a lot of time in this. Really appreciate you guys. Follow us on Twitter at Sports10Line8 and um, obviously listen to the podcast and go over to nflsapien.com for more information. With that being said, let me stop blabbing my mouth. Well, let's get into the number 32 team. Who is the Houston Texans? The Tex- no, no drum roll? Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's not even. We'll, we'll save that for like the top 15, top 10. Right. Like I was gonna, teams, I was, teams that have a hope for the playoffs. Right. I was, I was going to say maybe even 31 you could do a drum roll for, but <laughs> it's definitely the Texans. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if you saw it when I posted on Twitter, like the draft of my article, and it's just a header. 
picked out the team name. Like nobody knew who the number thirty-two team was gonna be. But um, anyway, the Texans are in in my article. I described how most teams have their fall from grace moment, right? Where they're competitive, they're wanting to top. Every team has to rebuild at some point in their franchise's history. Not everyone's right. Super Bowl every year. Right, unless you're the Patriots when Brady was there. But anyway, um, even, and even then it wasn't every year, though. But my point is, right, every team has their fall from grace, but normally it's a gradual decline. Like the Steelers, right, a few years ago, they were battling the Patriots almost every year in the AFC Championship game, and then slowly... You lose a piece here, somebody ages, you have to replace something, uh, maybe you right. get a few draft picks, and then you start to slip down to 9-7, and 8-8, and, eight and, eight, and then say um, players don't want to come, you lose some more guys in free agency, you're getting tight on payroll, then you're down to the 12 and 4, um, or, sorry, the 4 and four and 12, now 4 and 13, I guess, or, or 5 and 12 record with a 17-game season, and then you build your way back up with the higher draft picks, and, and that right. thus goes the cycle. Um, but so my point is saying, yeah, 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 I think you were about to say it, but my point is, None, at least in the recent memory, has went from competing and then immediately just sinking to the bottom of the of the, of the AFC. There's one team that you may be able to compare to, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. Losing to the Ravens in the Super Bowl, going back to the, the NFC Championship game. The, the next year. Their team fought. That was, that was because. But even then. It's. Um, a bunch of retirements, injuries, yeah. and then losing a coach, and then they get to Kyle Shanahan, and they're almost right back up. Yeah, but even year. then, right? It was Super Bowl, NFC Championship, and then I think like eight and eight or nine and seven, and then the fall off really came. I think a better team to compare would be the Broncos after they won the championship. After Peyton Manning left. Uh, yeah, after Peyton, who at that point was barely a top twenty quarterback. Yeah. He leaves, and then you're stuck with Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler for the next few years. So, $121 million Brock Osweiler, whatever his ridiculous contract was. Right. But, but um, yeah, so they, <laughs> they trade DeAndre Hopkins. The Texans trade DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of Skittles. And so they enter last season with a bunch of disgruntled stars and what have you. Right, so Deshaun Watson still your star player. You still have JJ Watt to anchor that defense, but they end with a four and twelve record, which would be good for the third worst record in the NFL. However, unfortunately, they did not have either. They did not have any picks until the third round. So their first round pick belonged to the Miami Dolphins, thanks to the Tunsil trade. Um, so Larry Tunsil's a good player, but. <laughs> I mean, you could have replaced so, him with uh, you instead of getting him. You could have just grabbed a Penny Sewell or, or yeah, and Bill O'Brien works in mysterious ways, or should I say, doesn't work in mysterious ways. Speaking of Bill O'Brien, you fired Bill O'Brien, your head coach and general manager. Yeah, and your general manager. Oh my god. Um, and then JJ Watt leaves in free agency to go to the Arizona Cardinals, and to make matters. Three times worse, Deshaun Watson faces sexual assault allegations and demands a trade pretty much around the same time. I think the trade demand came 
slightly before the allegations were revealed. Yeah, the trade to the man came before the allegations were revealed. But so the allegations, I'm 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 unsure as to how far the investigation. I think it did turn criminal. The police department got involved, but they were mostly civil lawsuits. Um, and which means they wanted money, basically. Yeah, and so um, we'll 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 see we'll see where that that whole situation goes, but. Uh, also, definitely he did not now. calculate. Um, it was it was interesting because we've got two like big name quarterbacks holding out right now, Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. Now, if 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 I'm correct, Aaron Rodgers was calculated into the Packers um, power ranking. Deshaun Watson was not, and this is because we don't see like there's still a shot. And, uh, and uh, right, there, there, there's still a, a considerable wait. shot that Aaron Rodgers comes back to Green Bay with Watson. There's almost no chance he plays. Yeah, and, and really quickly, this is – I sent you this yesterday. So this was yesterday. If he indeed – if he decided today that he does not want to play in 2021, he would avoid $20.3 million in forfeits and fines that would apply if he simply did not show up today. Right, so Aaron more than likely might be stuck in Green Bay. But again, like, let not not to make this about the Packers or whatever, because this is a Texas Power Rankings episode. Aaron has his money. Aaron's thirty-seven, and Aaron just seems like he is happy with life right now. He's getting and he can go get a job with Jeopardy if he runs out of money. Right, like, right, like he could get a cash grab entertainment job or whatever. Right. He seems happy in a state of life right now. He's getting married. He's 37. He's done everything he could so possibly do for that Packers organization. Don't respond, Warner. I know you're a little upset about that. It's a Texans episode. I don't care about the Packers. I am not a Packers fan. We'll get to the Packers. The Packers are just a dumb organization that makes stupid mistakes and has glaring weaknesses. We'll get to the Packers when we get to your episode. But anyway, sorry about that. So the Texans, their offense was ranked dead last, as obvious. Um, no Deshaun Watson factored into their grade. So they finished dead last with a grade of 71.74. If you look at the Texans' roster, they have a quarterback, they have Tyrod Taylor, they have Davis Mills, they also have Jeff Driscoll. They got so many quarterbacks for no reason. Which is also another indicator that Deshaun Watson is definitely not likely to be a quarterback on the roster because you don't now, have four quarterbacks on the roster. That that's that's ridiculous. Now now here's an interesting thing though, as to that, the Packers signed quite a few quarterbacks on the roster. Now I know it's mini camp and preseason and, and yeah a lot of that. those signings are more like mini camp tryouts so expect cuts but with the texans they signed a veteran that entire they signed Tyra Taylor, Taylor who you're not going to cut then they waste your... then they use their first draft pick the first pick they had in the draft a third round pick on a QB that that a project pretty, at that those are pretty clear signs that he ain't coming back yeah, he's not coming back. So, Warner, what 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 do you see? So, their their quarterback room is obviously god awful. They rank last in QB as well. Um, 
their quarterback grade was a 66, so then their offense 71. Uh, what, what do you see in this quarterback room? What, what's in this quarterback room, Warner? A bunch of guys that are, I mean, as you said, they're either projects or they're veterans without upside. I mean, and, and that's kind of what you, honestly, that's kind of what you need here if you're the Texans. You need a stable veteran presence to kind of build a culture and right the ship. Because right now they are sinking and they are, they are in a complete nosedive and they're falling fast. But if you can get that, that veteran presence, that leader of a quarterback in the room, he can help straighten that, straighten out that nosedive and um, even maybe bring you up a few uh, hundred miles or, or however this airplane, uh, this airplane metaphor isn't going very far, but he may even be, uh, be able to bring you up to five, six, maybe even seven wins. Not with this roster right now, but in the future. Then once you have that culture built and that, that base, like this is who we are, we're going to work hard, we're going to do this, this is us. Um, this is how we play football. This is how we build a team. Then you find that franchise quarterback as um, the Jets did, as the um, Jags did. If you look back in, in the recent few years, you find that quarterback after you already have this roster and culture um, built, then you skyrocket. Like I know the Bucks didn't draft Tom Brady, but they had a good roster. They've got their quarterback, boom, Super Bowl. Now it's not always going to be that meteoric because usually you're getting a rookie quarterback, not Tom Brady, but you're going to be able to shoot back up because you have that culture built. And that all starts from a veteran leading presence at quarterback. Yeah. Um, so for me, for this, for this Texans uh, quarterback room, Davis Mills, a project, obviously I had a third round grade on him. He has some accuracy, concerns I guess you know he was terrible in 2019 at throwing the ball on the move right but he has really actually solid pocket presence just go back to that 19 season or whatever facing Notre Dame his pocket presence standing in there and making throws he has some upside there and some, some things to be desired from a pocket presence standpoint his arm talent isn't bad per se he does have the best mechanics. His accuracy is a little erratic, right? But I mean, who else? And we'll talk. I'll talk about this a little bit later, right? A little spoiler alert. But Pep Hamilton has really become kind of a quarterback coach guru, right? He was the quarterback coach with Andrew Luck. I believe he actually was at Stanford with Andrew Luck as well, right? So he got to work and develop Andrew Luck, who's wildly considered to be the best quarterback prospect coming out of college in the past decade or so, right? And then this year with Justin Herbert, he was the quarterback's coach for my Chargers this year. And trust me, I know the development that Herbert has shown is large in part to Pat Hamilton because it's definitely, definitely not because of Anthony Lynn or anybody else on that staff or Shane Steichen or whatever. It's definitely not one of those guys, okay? So... You got, I think, Pep Hamilton. That's why I really like bringing him in, right? So you can find it. And that's another indicator, right, to keep talking about this, that Deshaun Watson, it's gone, okay? Because you Deshaun Watson is an established top five quarterback, right? Pep, you don't need Pep Hamilton with Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's fine. It's nice or whatever, right? But 
with Pep Hamilton, right, you bring him in to help develop a young quarterback like a Davis Mills, like he did with Andrew Luck, ironically, from Stanford, uh, like he did with Justin Herbert, another Pac-12 quarterback, okay? I, I, I'm I, being a little optimistic because of the Pep Hamilton hiring, and again, I'll talk about that a little bit more later, but this team in the quarterback room, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but... This is easily the worst quarterback room in the league. Tyrod, I think he'll flourish in a more run-heavy system. We'll, we'll talk about the running backs here shortly. Um, you know, get the ball out of his hands to, to the playmakers. Not a lot of deep shots on the field. Trust your running backs. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, so, Warner, you there, buddy? Let's get it. So, let's move on to this running back room, which is actually kind of deep in the running back room will rank um they, they rank 22nd in this running but in the nfl at running back however unfortunately for them running back has the lowest impact running back gets five percent of the total grade for offenses so in the running back room they have i believe they traded for philip Lindsay. they, no, they, they signed philip Lindsay. Oh, they signed Lindsay. My apologies. Oh, yeah, they did sign Lindsay. You're right. They signed Lindsay. They brought in Mark Ingram, and they also traded for David Johnson last year because he was a part of the trade for DeAndre Hopkins. He was the bag of Skittles I was referring to. Um, yes, he was. So, and you also have Dontrell Hillard, Scotty Phillips, Buddy Howell. Those last couple guys will probably get practice squad or um or or cut more than likely. Maybe even Hillard. Honestly, he might get cut. So. Warner, what what do you see in this deep running back room that isn't bad? But I mean, it, it's not. I mean, yeah, it, it it's twenty so, reasons. What do you see in this running back room? You you've got you've got um, two guys that are obviously past their prime in in Johnson and Ingram. And Mark uh, Mark Ingram got cut last year by the Ravens because they have J.K. Dobbins and, and Gus the Bus Edwards um, to replace him because and, and he was he had a down year. He was pretty much irrelevant. Um, now, with him being on the Texans, he's likely going to be the third string back. Um, they signed Philip Lindsay, who's you know an undersized guy, you know five seven, one eighty five, but he runs tough and he can take hits and he can dish out hits too. So between those three guys, I'm I'm thinking you're going to see probably a hundred fifty to hundred eighty carries for at least two of them, and approaching a hundred for the third, which I think will be Mark Ingram. Um, with that being said, I think they're going to be running the ball on most of their offensive snaps, except for, say, third downs um, or obvious passing situations like a two-minute drill. With that also being said is that means their offense will likely be inefficient because um, you can have those running backs, but running backs are mostly built off of the scheme and the blocking they receive. Um, right now, the only center listed on roster is Ryan McCollum for the Texans, we're likely going to have a guard slide over, but their top three guards right now, Marcus Cannon, Lane Taylor, and Justin McCray, uh, which I wouldn't be too hyped up about, except for maybe Marcus Cannon. Then, of course, they have Larry McTunstall and Justin Britt as their two tackles. But um, the running game, the with, with the combination of offensive linemen and the running backs that they have, um, is it's going to lead to a lot of, Short carries, I'm thinking two, three, maybe four yards, um, probably 
3.6, 3.5 in that sort of range uh, in terms of a yard per carry stat um, for, for each running back. And that's going to lead to many three and outs. If they run the ball on first down, run the ball on second down, then you have to rely on Tyrod Taylor, who is capable of converting these short third downs, but at the same time, isn't going to be somebody that you want to rely on to move the chains and, and just eat the clock and eat the clock. Because again, you run the ball on first down, you run the ball on second down, all of a sudden you're into a, a third and medium, third and long situation with, I mean, Tyrod Taylor is, is a capable quarterback, but uh, Jordan Atkins, Ryan Izzo at tight end, you've got Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks who can get open in those short yardage situations, but you really don't want to have to rely on uh, those guys. And that all comes back to the running backs by giving a clear signal of we are going to run the ball and we're going to run the ball a lot. Yeah. I mean, Philip Lindsay was once considered possibly a top to running back two years ago now. Right. I mean, he had a really strong, was that 2018 or was it? He had a nice rookie year because nobody expected anything from him, but I don't know if top 10 is the right word. Now, okay, now yeah, some, I mean, people, yeah. some people, I can see people overreacting, saying, oh, it's a top 10 yeah. back. Uh, yeah, 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 or yeah, late yeah. Round pick. I forget, um, but. Yeah, like, see, it was probably like, like CBS Sports or PF yeah. or somebody. Yeah. You yeah. know, one of those idiots. But so, some, Someone says on a, on a, the one Broncos primetime game, you know, this guy, um, you know, really underrated coming out of college. Uh, I think he's like a top 10 back right now. You look at his, his rushing statistics and how he runs. Just as filler, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. So you know, I, I think I think you hit everything on the, on the nail there. Just you you got. I think really honestly, you're just getting guys that just need a paycheck and want to be here. Yeah, yeah. His <laughs> bodies is you got to get 53 players somehow. Somehow, I mean, like sheesh. But I mean, again, like this ranking at 23. Looking at the list, or it was the 22, I said. Uh, they rank 22, my bad. It's, it's more so because they have average, like three average to slightly above average bodies in a running, in the same running back room. So, like, for example, spoiler, the Steelers' Najee Harris is better than. Any of those, I would take Nash Harris over any of those three. I think I think Phil Lindsay may be close. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how Najee runs, especially behind the non-existent Pittsburgh offensive line. But um, yeah, but I, I know what you mean. I would take Najee over any of those three guys, but because the Texans do have those three average to above average running backs, I it, it really helps the running back room as a whole and the grade as a whole, and maybe they'll go running back by committee. So I mean. I'll, I'll, it, it wouldn't make any sense to have Philip Lindsay have 250 carries and then David Johnson and Mark Ingram have like 40. So, yeah. so uh, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll, and, see, we'll see how it goes. But. Yeah. So let's move on to their wide receiver and top slash our receiving room in general. Uh, and they rank 31st in the NFL. Um, they have on the roster, you're looking at Brandon Cooks, who's a solid. Uh, He's a nice receiver. Yeah, he's a nice receiver, preferably a number two receiver. He's bounced around the league a whole heck of a lot. Yep. Uh, it seems like he's always involved in trading for better players. Right. He, 
He was on the Saints, then he got traded, I think, to the Patriots. Patriots, then the Rams. And then the Rams, and now he's in yeah. and now he's in Houston. Um, then you have Randall Cobb, Chris Moore, Chris Conley, Kiki Kuti, um, Alex Harrison, Tawan Taylor, Dante Moncrief. You know, they drafted Nico Collins. They have Brian Izzo and Jordan Atkins. So this ranks number 31st for us for a reason, but we've been a very pessimistic, to say the least, yeah. this Texas team. Warner, what um what is some level of optimism before we get to more of the downside and the reason why they are number 31? What's some level of optimism we can have about this Texans receiving group? I think it's gonna be a fun receiving room. Uh Brandon Cook's obviously a burner. Uh, he can beat you in multiple different ways. Randall Cobb always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And with a guy like Tyrod Taylor, um, he's usually going to be able to find him. Um, you know, Kiki Kuti, he's a burner. Alex Erickson is a return man. Um, Andre Roberts is a return man primarily. And so I think it's going to be a fun. You're going to see a lot of screen passes, a lot of quick slants, and, and creating after the catch in this receiver room. And so you're going to see a lot of breakaway touchdowns and breakaway plays. And and it's gonna it's gonna be fun to watch, but overall I don't think they're gonna be very effective. Um, and and especially with them looking like they're gonna run the ball more, um, we'll we'll see how uh, we'll see what their usage rate is. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Um, I think the level I think the optimism for this wide receiver room is the guy they drafted with their third round pick. I want to say Nico Collins. Right. I think if he can show some potential and some development during this season, right, you know, he, he tracks the ball at the point of, a, of the catch really, really well. Right. You hope that he can develop some more of the route running traits. Uh, can you look, I, I forget what 40 time he ran, uh, but yeah. you, you hope he, you really just hope he can develop. I think him alongside Brandon Cooks, I think this is a situation I don't recommend this normally. Right, four, four, three. Or especially for later round talents, you said four four, three, four four, four, four three. Well, granted, everybody ran below four. <laughs> everybody was like four two to four four. Right, <laughs> but anyway, um, I think I think that's really unfortunate for this year's draft class because it's it's if they ran in any other regular combine year and put up those numbers, it'd be one of the most athletic draft classes ever. Ever. But because it was a COVID year and it was run by a different organization and the NFL combine didn't happen, it's that's it's really it's it's unfortunate for these for these players. Yeah. So well, I, I I gotta say though, luckily no records were broken in terms of 40 times. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> because a that would have been then they're gonna say, all right, come back and uh, run it again. And he's like, Oh man, I got a four two five this time. Come on. All right. So um I don't normally recommend doing this, especially with the later round prospect. But I think you this is a special situation. You have to throw Nico Collins into the fire in some regard. One, you have I don't know, I don't know if late round pick. He was the third round pick. 89 overall. So uh, I think a comp pick, but still. You are I mean, you you have no upside whatsoever offensively. Right, and, and I, you heard my little spew on Davis Mills not too long ago, right? So you know how I feel on that. You have no upside offensively. Brandon Cooks is only going to get older, right? Do they have their picks this year? 
Honestly, I think they don't have the first or the third again. Oh my I, gosh. I, yeah, I, j- just check that right quick. But um, <laughs> you know, you have no upside offensively, right? You need somebody that can make a play for you. I mean, unless something happens in training camp or whatever, and he's a cancer to the team. To be quite honest with you, right? I think you just had to throw him into a fire, make him develop this year, okay? And you know, just see what you can get, right? I again, I normally would have recommend this, but the Texans are in a special situation where they want to have any level of optimism going to year two with David Cully. I mean, I think Nico Collins is one of the guys you're going to have to try to develop this year because Randall Cobb's only going to be here so long, and eventually you want – because and, and he's shown he's injury-prone, so he's probably not even be there the whole season. Right, and so, you know, you just want to make sure you have some weapons and some, you know, just some upside at the wide receiver position. Yeah, you might as well see what you have um, – in, in your rookies and, and these guys that have potential upside, um, then just let it be and start all the veterans. And, and then you're into the second year of a rookie contract and you don't really know what this player brings. Yeah. So let's look at the offensive line group. And this offensive line actually is going to come in at number 24, large in part thanks to Laramie Tunsil, but also they ranked 19th last season in team pass block win rate percentage, and they ranked fifth actually last year in team run block win rate um, on their offensive line. Currently, they are looking at, like you said, Ryan McCollum, Marcus Cannon at guard, Lady Taylor, some guys that bounce around the league, Justin McCray. And then obviously you have Mr. Laramie Tunsil, the guy they traded for, Justin Britt, and uh, some other some other guys who you know probably will make the team still. So draft pick wise, the Texans traded the 2021 and 22 fourth round picks for Brandon Cook, so they are without their fourth round pick. Um, they uh, also, pardon me, they also um, got a 2022 seventh round. Uh, pick uh, from Dallas in a trade. So um, I, they they have a pick every round um, except for their own seventh round pick is now the Patriots, but they got Dallas. So they have seven picks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the number 24, Warner. Which means Who's the number one quarterback next year? Because the Texans are going to grab him. And yeah, so you're looking at Spencer Rattler. You're looking at um, and actually, yeah. and it begins again. <laughs> the cycle of who is the best quarterback and who is the number one overall pick. Does the dominant edge rusher emerge, or is it another quarterback year? Maybe there's an irresistible receiving talent or a lockdown corner that somehow goes number one, even though. I have no idea why. Yeah, the Texans, they have they could use every position. They have their first round. They have all their they have their picks one through three. They have the Rams fourth. They have their own fifth and sixth. And then they have the Dallas seventh round pick. Yeah. So they do have picks. And I mean, we'll we'll talk about it more closer to draft season, but yes, yeah, so you're definitely and also just to be sure, I, I should mention this. 
when we talk about quarterbacks, I think you also got to start Davis Mills at some point this season, especially if you're terrible. At least, yeah, at least he like throw him into a third quarter or fourth right, quarter. Like, like, like almost, right. almost what the Bengals did with Ryan Finley, but that was just terrible. This one actually makes some sense, right? Because you're going to have the opportunity to draft likely to Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Desmond uh, Ritter, you know, that'll probably be later in the first round, right? So you have an opportunity to draft one of these top-tier quarterbacks this year, but you drafted one with your first pick this year, this past season, right? You have to put him in there, right? Because then – At then, least find out what you got. Like, does right. he have at least a little bit of upside? Then maybe we can address a different position. Right. Get a, Pull the get a franchise tackle or a franchise – And do what the football team did with Chase Young. Draft a franchise-changing, a defense-changing pass rusher. And then if Davis Mills sucks in his in his first full season, second season overall, then you'll have another high pick anyways, and you can grab a quarterback then. Right. There's well, not going to be a Trevor well, Lawrence or an Andrew Luck every single season. Right. And, and, and so, you know. And like I was saying, pulling Eagles, right? You bench Carson Wentz. You see what you have in your second round pick, Jalen Hurts. And then also later in the season, <laughs> your other quarterback. Right. But Giants, like, fan, do, you, Giants you, fans can't be mad. If, if you wanted to make the playoffs, you should have had a better record anyways. The NFC was right. You, you see what you, you – you like what you see or some of what you see. You like some of the upside that's there in Jalen Hurts, right? Now you go get – now you go build around him, at least for this year, and then you go a full season with him as your quarterback. Right, so pull, so pull, pull, pull an Eagles. Basically, I, I normally don't recommend a team copying what the Eagles does. <laughs> yeah, unless it's this, the Super Bowl winning part. Right, unless it's, unless, it's, unless it's the Super Bowl winning part or this instance, then do it. But anyway, let's get back to his offensive line. Warner, obviously, just Laramie Tunsil is a big reason why they're so high. What are your thoughts on this offensive line? Yeah, um, I guess Marcus Cannon starts at center. Maybe one of the two former Packer interior linemen, Lane Taylor or Justin McCray. I mean, it's it's really it's just the it's just a bad situation that I don't think is going to lead to a lot of success. Tyron Taylor's going to be running for his life. Uh, the run game's not going to be able to get much momentum, um, and they're just going to have to grind it out, man. Uh, Laramie Tunsil is going to do Laramie Tunsil things. He's going to be fine, um, but. Other than Tunsil, there's not really many bright spots. Um, if you look at even Green Bay, they still have Elton Jenkins and a, and a scheme that leads to less pressure being on the offensive line. And but but the Texans, they have their franchise tackle, and then literally nobody else with with upside. Marcus Cannon's 33, Lane Taylor's 31, Justin McCray's 29, and uh, Justin Britt's 30. So their starting lineup is is going to be really 30 plus years and older except for Tunsil. Yeah. And also I think I kind of talked about this earlier. You're going to get the ball out of Tyrod Taylor or Davis in those hands, right? So I think that's going like we're not going to see a whole lot of play action passes, I would imagine, especially out, out from underneath the gun from a single back formation, right? Or yeah. 12, is that 12? That's 12, right? 12 personnel, um, it, it can be 11 personnel. 11, 12 personnel, right? We're not going to see a lot of play action from those personnel. It's going to be a lot more gun formation 
three out, if you do go play action, you're going to get the ball out of these guys' hands, right? So I think that is going to help the offensive line a little bit, right? But in, in terms of, like, pass protection or whatever, you don't have to worry about holding your block as long. Dropback passes will not be too much of a success uh, for Taylor. It's going to be some sort of rollout, some sort of play action, or a, a disguise play here or there. Uh, maybe run some wildcat. Who knows? All right. So this offensive line, 24th. And then we have offensive and we have offensive coaching and culture or whatever. They ranked 24th, which might seem a little high for people, but Warren, let me explain. Or do you have a question for me about this offensive uh, coaching group? So why in the world would they hire David Cully, a Ravens assistant, if they don't have Lamar Jackson? Well, that's because they're that's because they're idiots. Okay, thank you. Next, next, next question. But, but but more specifically about like their offensive coordinator and stuff like that. Um. So with the addition of Pep Hamilton, obviously he's going to have an impact in the offense. And Tim Kelly, the actual offensive coordinator. The, the actual offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly. Um. How do you think this this offense is going to do in terms of um, calling games and making the right call in the right situation? Because they're going to they're going to have some chances to win football games. It, it's the NFL. Everyone is talented and capable enough. Some people just work harder or have better or, or bigger talent. With that being said, the Texans, while they only get seventy one overall, uh, while they only get a seventy one overall grade on offense. They're still a capable unit. They still have guys that can make plays. So they're going to be still football players. Like yeah. they're still NFL football players. So does this coaching staff make the right calls late in games that they have a chance to win, or are they one of the coaching staffs that will say, "It's okay if we mess up. We'll just get a higher draft pick." Well, here's the reason why, and I know some of you guys are thinking who are watching this. Why in the world are the Texans 24th? I, I actually thought this was going to be your question. Why in the world are the Texans 24th in offense? Like, that seems kind of high. You're telling me they're... I, I already know. So. Yeah, yeah, you know. But it seems like it seems like they're eight teams, like eight teams higher than that. They're eight, eight teams better. Here's the thing. Again, and I kind of said it earlier, Pep Hamilton is a quarterback wizard. Tim Kelly, I got the name right is a quarterback wizard. He's been in Houston to Sean Watson's entire run here so far. He's actually, after he left Penn State for being a grad assistant, he's been in Houston since 2014, right? So he has a lot of familiarity. He's very diverse. He was the uh, tight ends coach for two years. He was the quarterback's coach last year and the offensive, he's been offensive coordinator for past, this is third year now, right? So and and also like in those three years, Deshaun Watson has blossomed into a top five quarterback. And then, like I said earlier, with Pat Hamilton, right? He was in Stanford with Andrew Luck. Went to Indianapolis with Andrew Luck. Was there for three years with him, right? So he literally helped develop Andrew Luck, right? And then you look to twenty. 20 or so this past season he goes to LA for the Chargers is their quarterback coach and Justin Herbert who everybody thought was going to be terrible right puts on I don't, I don't know if terrible is the right way but terrible's not the right word but he they, definitely they did not expect his explosion he definitely exceeded football too. 
Yeah, he exceeded all expectations, had a record-setting season. Oh, by the way, with Pep Hamilton as the quarterback's coach, because he definitely did get that from Shane Sykes or Anthony Lynn or whatever. That- Anthony Lynn now, by the way, is an offensive coordinator, which means he's low on the list. So right. Anthony Lynn is one reason why they're at top four. Yeah, but I mean, he didn't learn that from Shane Steichen or Anthony Lynn. That's Pep Hamilton. And now you have Davis Mills, the guy from Stanford, ironically, right? So I have a lot of trust in this in this coaching group. And I think they'll make a lot of the right decisions to answer your question in the later moments of the games, right? But I want to see how Tim, I keep wanting to say Kelly, Tim Kelly, right? I want to see how Tim Kelly adjust because in the late game scenarios, he's had Deshaun Watson his entire time there. Now he has Tyron Taylor and Davis Mills. So I really, I just want to see how he, how he adjusts. And uh, I, I, I'll, Pat Hamilton, I know he, he'll likely do his thing. He's obviously not set in stone, but I trust him to do his thing with Davis Mills. But I'm really curious how Tim Kelly is going to do going from Deshaun Watson in game time moments to um, to Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor, and Jeff Driscoll. It's going to be fun. Jimmy, I look forward to seeing some Jeff Driscoll highlights uh, on YouTube during this year. But uh, with that being said, uh, shall we go to defense? Yep. So once again, guys, the Texans, they rank um, – I'm sorry, Texans rank 30 – they actually know they're last. They're dead last in offense with a 71.74 offensive grade. And they had the 24 and they ranked 24th in offensive coach and culture. Um, so let's go right in here to defenses. So they rank dead last. <laughs> How surprising for this pass rush. Um, Warner, t- take a deep dive into this pass rush for me. I don't think there's too deep a dive to take, if we're being honest. Um, <clears throat> you don't really have much interior pressure uh, coming. You have Ross Blacklock, Malik Collins, uh, Vincent Taylor. It's not much to look forward to. And then and then on the edge, you have Shaq Lawson, Charles Menehue, um, Duke Ejiofor, I guess, Demarcus Walker. They didn't draft any edge help, um, which – is I, I think a red flag. You you always want to be improving your your edge threat. And so, with that being said, they have little to no upside, and they have little to no proven production. You combine those two things, you've got a besides Ross Blacklock, you've got an, an aging, uh, an older core of players. Malik Collins is twenty six, uh, Shaq Lawson is twenty six, Amanda Hughes only twenty three. Um, so. With with the with the lack of production and the lack of a dominant number one pass rusher, it's going to make it hard for all these other guys to find pressure and 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 get to the quarterback, which means that the pass rush isn't isn't going to be as good. So, simply said, they they don't have the um, talent or the upside compared to the other uh, NFL teams to deserve any ranking higher than what they earn, which is number thirty two. Yeah, really quickly, is there any room for upside, like an optimism on this pass rush unit? Is there any optimism whatsoever? Yeah, I think you got to look at Ross Blacklock. Again, being only 22 years old, um, uh, being a rookie last year, second-round pick, I think you got to look forward to to what he can do 
especially coming into year two and uh, year three next year. Um, but, you know, he's not really – he didn't have a single sack last season. So he's, he's more of that um, bigger kind of run stuffer sitting at 6'3", 290. Um, and then you have Charles Menehu, who's, who's 23 years old, a two-year pro. Um, now, he has had J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney in the past, um, which, you know, seven career sacks in three seasons – not great. Now he didn't get into a single game and, uh, or sorry, seven sacks in two seasons. Um, he played in 15 games and 14 games in the previous two. But uh, again, that, those were with JJ Watt on the other side. So you've, you've got to hope and you've got to uh, believe that Amenahue is going to take that third year step uh, in the right direction. But if you're getting four sacks and three sack production from him, then there's really no optimism whatsoever here for this pass rush. Yeah, so once again, this pass rush will rank dead last at number 32. Losing J.J. Watt, obviously in this offseason, not getting much edge or pass rush help in general through the draft or through free agency. So the Texans will rank dead last at number 32. Um, Let's move on to the secondary, which is not dead last, which would be a welcome sight. Yes. (laughs) They rank... 28th in the secondary. Warner, is there, what, anything you want to ask me about their secondary? When does Justin Reed get traded? Well, that, that's actually an interesting one there. Um, I, I mean, because if, if you look at it, Justin Reed is the the only real bright, bright spot um, here for this. Area. They have Bradley Roby. They have Desmond King, Terrence Mitchell. They're fine, right? Or they have a solid group not 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 terrible an average group yeah and they, they, they don't really have that number one corner but Desmond King is capable of playing in the slot uh Bradley Roby can have some good moments um he, he's an explosive <laughs> he's, a, he's a pretty explosive corner uh Terrence Mitchell Bonnie Johnson um they're, they're just they're, they're guys that are they're, they're just guys um and and that's that's the end of it but Justin Reed, 24 years old, he's a three-year pro, um, a, a strong safety for them. I think he gets traded this season, um, obviously before the deadline, to uh, a contending team or a team that feels as though, like Pittsburgh traded for Minka Fitzpatrick a few years ago, a team that feels that listen, this piece can make our uh, give us an elite defense and the offense can be just good enough to at least make a run, make the playoffs, uh, or give take us to the next step of building that championship contending team in the next season. Um, he's, he had last year, he had uh, 83 tackles, two sacks and um, no picks. So, you know, he, I, he's a guy that you've got to watch out for. And is really the, the only bright spot in terms of upside and, and current talent that they have right now. Yeah. Because again, Desmond King is really is a slot corner. And he really underperformed in Tennessee after not getting as much desired playtime in Los Angeles due to Chris Harris Jr. signing there. So he was really frustrated last year, right? But he has really fallen off. He's not the same. He's not nearly as good as that guy. It's age, man. It's age. Age is a powerful thing unless your name is Tom Brady or Rajay Davis. Two seasons ago when he was – with the Chargers, he has not been able to get back to that level of play. So I'm not sure if you want to rely on him. 
Bradley Roby is nowhere near the same. I think it's part schemes, like where he's been at. He's nowhere near the same guy he's been since he was in Denver. Um, and then Terrence Mitchell has just bounced around uh, throughout his entire career. He's an okay. If he's your number two corner, you can live with it, right? But if he's battling for your number one quarter's cornerback spot, you are definitely not, you know, you're not that satisfied with that. So, yeah. Also, pardon me on the age thing. He's only 26, Desmond King. Yeah. I don't know why I thought he was in his mid-30s. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. He's, he's a little, he's he's a little younger. Yeah. And just, uh, I'm sorry. Excuse me about that. Yeah, Justin Reed's only 24, so. Okay. Somebody. I- I'm calling it. He's getting traded. That's Warner's call of the year. Just- I, hope that's, I hope that's not Warner's call. Uh, moving on, though, to the linebacking core. Uh, also ranked 28th um, in the league. So, again, not last. Ray Texans. Um, bright spot for them in, in terms of linebackers. I guess they didn't trade Zach Cunningham. <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty much the only the only bright spot. 26-year-old uh, guy, four-year pro. He's going to be – he's going to be the guy. I mean um, – from those dominant Texans defense days, uh, it's it's merciless. Really, is the only other guy, um, nine-year pro. He's thirty years old. Uh, who who's there? But played a little edge hybrid role for him last year, and um, you know he's fine. But Jordan Jenkins and Zach Cunningham um, are are headlining this linebacking core. Sean, what are your thoughts on um, on the Texans in terms of their linebackers? And um, the potential, you know, pass coverage, run stopping upside they they bring. Yeah, like you mentioned, they rank number twenty eighth here in the league in linebackers, and which is kind of unfortunate. Maybe their overall defensive grade would have been higher. Um, linebackers are right now fourteen percent of uh, of their total grade on defense. Yeah, which is really, really, really unfortunate for for this Texas squad. Um, but yeah, Zach Cunningham is really just a bright spot on this defense, if, you're, if we're being completely honest. He's probably outside of Justin Reed, the only bright spot and like hope for, you know, some sort of development, if we're being honest with you, right? He can, he can you can put him on blitz packages or whatever, have him blitz. He had a career high in sacks last season, right? And it seems like they want to end up to pressure the quarterback just a little bit more than usual. Um one thing you don't have to ever worry about with Tim, it seems like he stays on the daggone football field. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the best ability is availability, right? I still disagree with you. What? I still disagree with you on that. I mean, I mean, shoot. It's not the best ability. I it's, said it's sometimes. Sometimes, not always. But that was, that was your go-to thing in the Carson Wentz Dak Prescott debate. Oh, but the best ability is availability, so therefore Dak is better. Say the daggone saying right if you're going to – MVP Carson wins, but no, Dak Prescott was better. Yes, I know the circumstances have changed, but, I mean, Dak also missed most of last year with the destroyed ankle. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah I... He's back, though. He, he's back. He was uh, signing some baseball at the College World Series game. Uh, Mississippi State winning their first – College World Series uh, finals. Not to get off track, but at that point, I don't know. Dude, they what smacked I... Vanderbilt. You, I know you don't pay attention to baseball in college, but they they gave it to Vanderbilt the last two games. 
it was it was a it was a great performance by them. Tanner Allen, SEC Player of the Year, great performance. Dak Prescott was the icing on the cake, bro. <laughs> the mute button when you need it oh my gosh anyway um but yeah back to what i was saying the 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 bright spot i mean he's been on the field pretty much his entire career he's only in five seasons he's only missed two games which is really valuable right um it's, some say it's the best ability sometimes shut up some say it's the best ability <laughs> sometimes not in all scenarios is it the best ability to have but it is I mean, like, like if you're Blake Martinez and you're playing every game, like, good for you. You still suck. Blake Martinez or Luke Kuechly? Well, Blake Martinez doesn't have the concussion problem. so I right, he, does, right, he does have the concussion problem. He didn't have to retire early. So, yeah. Blake Martinez. Luke Kuechly doesn't even play, so therefore Blake Martinez is the best linebacker of all time. Right. <laughs> Patrick Willis, who? Is he on, did he play last year? I don't think Patrick Willis played last year. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis, who's he's that not guy? Even, he's not even in the league anymore. Blake <laughs> Martinez every day. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Blake Martinez, no, man. But, yeah, so really the only bright spot. I actually wouldn't be surprised if they trade him either. Because it seems like if you're going to go all out on this rebuild. Which it seems they are. Just, even though they will not trade the player. Right. Of Deshaun Watson. Right, which is ridiculous. Only for them to have five quarterbacks on the roster. <laughs> when they draft yeah, yeah. Spence. Oh, God, no, no, please, no. Do not draft Spencer Rattler. No. My OU quarterbacks, for the most part, have done really, really well and been in really, really good landing spots. Do not draft. No. Well, I mean, some would disagree landing spots at the time. Like, Kylo to Arizona at the time. At the time. That, no, that's fine. At the time, yeah. Big Cle- Cle- Cleveland the getting Baker, then, that's big. not that's not a good landing spot at the time. So maybe, yeah, the the Texans, maybe the Texans grab Rattler and then all of a sudden pull the Browns and have a great like one of the top rosters in the league. Yeah, maybe maybe top ten like even the Broncos roster. <laughs> I'm sorry, a little little PFF shade right there. Um, they they ranked Denver's roster at number ten. I hope it's in the Madden rating sense and not the we're going to win a championship sense because Drew Locke is not the glue that holds that roster. This is kind of like a Madden rating. It's kind of like that, like how the point, like the numbers, like the 71, it's almost like a Madden rating, right? It's like the, I, I gave the Texans a 66 Madden rating for quarterback per se, right? And yep. the Broncos got like a 60 something or whatever, and they still ended up freaking not as a top 10 freaking roster <laughs> yeah the, the broncos are uh gonna gonna be uh at least they're gonna be done in july i'll tell you that right so they're not gonna be one of the top 10 august teams that we're gonna that we're gonna bring to anyway so let's move on uh so that is their that's linebackers they rank 28th let's move on to run defense where they are dead last in the NFL. Dude, Derrick Henry owns the Texans. What'd you say? Derrick Henry owns... I, he had, like, almost 500 rushing yards against them last year. I'm sorry, can you say that word... The, the, uh, one more time, please? They are subjects to King Henry and his mighty rule. 
<laughs> Bro, Derrick Henry went off on those guys. I, I want to pull up the numbers. But in two games, I'm, he had to have been approaching 500. Look at James Robinson went off on him, if I remember. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, Texans fans. I'm sorry we're laughing at your team right now. But uh, if you if you want to make me feel bad, then – actually, I don't feel bad, but go laugh at the Packers in their last few draft classes. Yeah, uh, so, laugh at the Chargers for having Anthony Lynn as their head coach for a while. I don't know. The, so the Chargers that, had the number one offense and number one defense in one season and did not make the playoffs. Laugh at that. Aaron Rodgers only has one ring and, and – It's a shame, man. The Packers are idiots. I, I can't imagine ever being a fan of them. They're so stupid. They're just bad at the football GM. All right, let, let, let's continue on with the list. So, for this Texans run defense, obviously we have Zach Cunningham who will help in the run game. Shaq Lawson isn't bad in the run game either, but Christian Kirksey's terrible. Kier Pierre-Lewis is terrible. I believe that's Malik Collins, correct me if I'm wrong, Warner. Um, Blacklock, who you're trying to develop, he's not that great at stopping the run either. They finish dead last in the NFL so, Warner, what, what are your thoughts about this run defense? It's not going to get any better. I mean, um, it's it's just it's just uninspiring. Derrick Henry um, just totally went off on him, um, and and I mean, rightly so. It was it's it was right for him um, against against the Texans in, in the first game they played. I'm going to find it here. Um, he had 22 carries. For 212 yards. 22 carries. For 212 yards. In the second game, he had 34 carries for 250 yards. 34 for 250. This man, one running back in two games had 472 yards against this Texans team. Now, Derrick Henry is a phenomenal running back and great at carrying the football. But that's no excuse for Houston. Houston's run defense last year was the worst. They were terrible. They gave up four. Or they they uh they they ran for one thousand four hundred sixty six yards and they gave up a thousand yards more, two thousand five hundred sixty four rushing yards is what they gave up. Keep in mind this is similar to the Packers giving up a like. Raheem Mostert's basically career was made in that NFC Championship game against Green Bay where he just torched them. This Texans run defense is is the worst in the league, and I don't even think it's close. Um, I don't think it's close at all. And with that being said, let's let's move on to defensive coaching. Um, it's just it's it's really really uninspiring for the Texans to be so bad at the the seemingly simple job of stopping a running back from running past like four yards. It's, it's, it's just, it's bad. 
Um, moving on to their coaches. Um, we've got the the Texans repping uh, Lovey Smith as their D coordinator. Um, it, he's a he's just he he's he's a guy, man. Um, the Texans overall in defensive coaching, they rank uh, twenty. No, sorry, they rank thirtieth. Yep, thirtieth. Out of the uh, 32 team NFL, that's 30th out of 32. Um, anyways, Lovey Smith, um, he, he's he's not gonna. The, the the Texans were 27th in the league in points allowed last year. They were 30th in large yards allowed. They were wor- wor- worst in turnovers. They were worst and interceptions they were worse in rushing yards they were 24th in passing yards they were 29th in third down conversion percentage and they were 17th in uh in terms of sacks losing jj watt uh, at all lovey smith is going to have really low standards um but or really low ex- expected um but he was the five-year head coach for illinois um, and Illinois was absolutely awful, um, at, at football, um, when, when he was there. So I don't, don't expect much from Lovey Smith, but expect more, um, from Smith than like, uh, the, the Raiders, I guess, um, expect more from, from him than, than whatever, whatever the Raiders are going to bring defensively, because, it's 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 getting ugly. The, the Texans are not a good football team, and no matter who their coach is, almost almost no matter who their defensive coordinator slash coach is, they're going to be a bad defense. And Lovey Smith being the 29th or the 30th um, the 30th D coordinator and 30th and, and heading the 30th best defensive coaching staff in the league is not going to help it at all. So Texans fans, you're going to see a lot of scoring but it's all going to be from Derrick Henry and whoever is facing the Texans on that Sunday afternoon, because the Texans are not good at all at this game of football that we know and love. Um, Overall, the Texans, um, overall their score. Is my I, I had to I had to do some calculations, so I was uh I was thinking we would just cut that out. But their uh their their team average is seventy point five eight. Yeah. Um and then obviously you were talking about the coaching culture or whatever. So defensively, uh you know, the Texans don't show that much promise at all defensively. Um, outside of Justin Reed and Zach Cunningham, who we both think they should honestly trade for being, you know, for being. Um, so they rank 30th overall for head coaches um, in coaching and culture. David Cully, 30th in the league. 
So they're going to finish dead last in the NFL with set with the grade of 70.58, and I'll be best for 30 seconds. So let's end this show off and this episode with some X Factors, Team MVP, and a record prediction. We'll get out of here. So Warner, first, who is your Team MVP? Justin Reed? <laughs> I mean, um, because listen, listen, every team, um, every team is 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 gonna have a best player, every team's gonna have a most valuable player. Um, and and if we're I don't expect many of the Texans to have best players because I think that say Reed or Cunningham uh are gonna be traded and, and shipped out of town. But I think the most valuable player that they're gonna have is Tyrod Taylor. And his leadership and what he brings to the table, um, I think he's going to be the team MVP and he's going to be instrumental in changing this culture around and setting the tone for the rest of the roster. Yeah, that's a good one, Tyrod Taylor. Um, I've kind of been on this guy's bandwagon the entire episode. So my uh, MVP, team MVP or whatever, right, is going to be Pep Hamilton, who's not even a player. He's a coach. He's my team MVP, okay? Um, so I, I'm joking. He, he'll be my X Factor, though. Um, but, you know, all, all seriousness, um, my team MVP actually is the man, the myth, the legend, Pat Hamilton. He's the team MVP. And the reason why he's the team MVP is because he is going to show you through his development of Davis Mills whether or not you are going to need to draft a quarterback in the draft next year, right? Or if you need to at least spend one extra year and build a team around him, get him some offensive line help, please, and thank you. We build that defense. You have all you have a pick in each round next year, okay? If you trade Justin Reed and Zach Cunningham, or at least one of them, you'll get an extra pick more than likely, right? And also this draft to big-time scout analysts or whatever – it's expected to be deeper and one of the better draft classes compared to last year, which we all thought was freaking insane, right? So I think Pep Hamilton's the team MVP. I've been on his, I've been on his bandwagon the entire episode. I love Pep. He's great. So that's my team MVP. All right. Um, let's go to record predictions for the Texans this new 17-game season. Let's, let's put um, the over-under at uh, three games, three and a half games. Let's go over under three and a half games. Over under. Well, well actually, what's Vegas? What's Ve- what does Vegas have? Let's use. Well, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> I would say probably about three and a half games. Um, Either way, I'm calling it one in seventeen, and that one win. One in sixteen, really? One in sixteen. My bad. That's gonna be really. I, you don't think they squeak out an upset game? You know, maybe the Bucks are slacking one week. Um, two and fifteen actually, because if they're it, okay. If the over under is three and a half, I'll go under and I'll say three and fourteen. Three and fourteen. Um, look at their schedule. This Panthers game at home, you know, the Panthers should win. It's early in the season. I think Houston could squeak down one out. They'll probably be Jacksonville once, and then Arizona is Arizona. They'll have a weird week where they just take the week off, and. I think Houston could win 
three games at the most. But I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, if I'm a betting man, I'm gonna go two and fifteen. I think that's a pretty solid bet. Um, I think they also win two games, and that means I think that they get the number one overall draft pick. Um, I don't think we're going to see a one-win team adding the extra game. Uh, the Jags, I don't think we're going to see another Mike Glennon situation because I think we can all agree that if the Jags had kept Mitchell Trubisky, or not Mitchell, Gardner Minshew, I'm sorry uh, to Gardner Minshew, Oh, but, yeah, they, uh, if, if they had kept playing Garner Minshew, they would have they would have they would have stumbled into some wins, and I, I think that happened um, this year. Yeah, um, and let's go with break our X factor because this team does not have a breakout. There's nobody that's going to break out, or is hey, it? You know what? You know what? I will say there, there's two guys that may break out. Charles Amendi, he was one, um, and then the other coming in being Ross Blackwalk. I think those guys may be able to break out, but I think it's very unlikely. Okay. And then, of course, Nico Collins or Davis Mills. If, if I was about to say good. Nico Collins. Um, I, I think he's primed for a rookie breakout year, um, being a little – Does he win rookie of the year? Absolutely not. He... Okay, thank you. If you would have said that, some quarterback is winning. Some quarterback. Or Jamar right, Wilson. Oh, maybe, but I think it's going to be a Yeah, so, yeah, Nico Collins, no. Knock it off. Um, but I think he's a, a guy you can say can break out this year. Um, you know, I think Philip Lindsay, this wouldn't be a breakout. This would be more of a resurgence. But Philip Lindsay, keep an eye out. I, th- I, th- I think towards the end of the season, he'll separate himself and establish himself as the lead back. I think I think that's definitely plausible. Um, I think over a thousand rushing yards. I think is likely probably seven or eight touchdowns, um, but I think that's going to be the most on the on the staff. Yeah, and last one, X factor. <laughs> wait till we get to the Giants or somebody. It'll be a lot better. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. I'm going to say their X Factor, Nick Casario, the general manager, because if he is smart and he makes the right decisions and gets the most value or the the, the best, I'm assuming there's going to be some sort of trade or or maybe if he can convince Deshaun Watson to somehow come back, which I think is next to none. Um, Especially with all the moves they've made. Yeah. But – I, I think it's got to be him. I, they don't. They don't have. They don't have. Um, they don't. They don't have the players to to have an ex. You know, Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers plays, it's Aaron Rodgers. For Kansas City, it's Patrick Mahomes. We get it. They're the best player, the quarterback. They're top in the, their position. Um, maybe for Washington, it's Chase Young or whatever. But with the Texans, with so little upside and so little stable great performance on their roster it's 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 tough to have an, an actual x-factor player well no it's not the x-factor is deshaun watson he is holding this franchise i kind of walked right into that hostage and it was a perfect setup he's yeah. holding this franchise hostage right now 
it's not even his fault. He's he wants to be gone, so it kind of leads into the Nick the, uh, Nick Casario piece as well, right? Because you traded Sean Watson, that's three first round picks at least. At least. So Stafford now went for what two? Stafford went for two. G <clears throat> probably went went for at least one. Jared Goff freaking went for one, right? So Deshaun Watson is worth three. And he's younger than all those guys, and he's better than all those guys, right? Hey, what? What? You said Jared Goff? I s- Jared Goff went for a first-round pick. Jared Goff was in the Matt Stafford trade. Are you thinking Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz had the yeah, my bad, my like, bad, my second bad. round my pick bad. with the first-round upside if he played a certain, like, 70 or 75% of the snap. Whatever. Um, but he's better than all those guys. He's younger than all those guys, right? So that's three first-round picks off rip, and now you have something to build your team with, right? And maybe you'll actually become somewhat attractable. I think David Culley, also a quick side note, is just a transition coach. I would be very surprised if he lasts yeah. longer than three years. He's more of a he's more of a, a team culture kind of general manager like coach instead of a yeah, yeah. yeah. and then like an offensive guy or a defensive guy. Right. And then then you get some talent on the team. And then you go get more of an offensive or defensive-minded coach. Hey, Lincoln Riley. I'm going to throw that out there. Lincoln Riley. He doesn't have a job yet. So maybe. Especially if they get Rattler. Ooh. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley would have gone to the Cardinals. Or the, yeah, he wouldn't went somewhere or else. Or the, or the Browns if he wanted to follow the OUQBs. Yeah. I guess I guess the bottom line is Lincoln Riley thinks all the OUQBs are so bad and not worth his time. So we'll, we'll roll with that. Thank you all for now. <laughs> We're QBU still. But anyway, guys, thank you guys so much for listening. This was episode one of this series. Um, again, the article virtual will be available on NFLSapien.com tomorrow, hopefully. And, yeah, we'll be back with number 31. Actually, I, we still don't completely know who 31 is. We know the Texans are dead last, though. <laughs> but anyway, guys, thank you guys so much for listening and reading the article because you will read it, NFLSapien.com. Thanks, Warner, as always. See you guys in the next episode. Peace out.